The sacred rebel unapologetically blazes their own trail in life. Not held back by conformity or tradition, these are the real change makers. In this episode, we'll talk about the lessons of the sacred rebel archetype and how it plays out in the stories of Jesus, Buddha, and White Tara. Welcome to the Modern Life and Spirit Podcast, where we explore spiritual topics relevant to today's world. Your hosts, certified psychic medium, Christina Wooten, and Reiki master teacher, Robert Wooten, break down how to work with spirit to create more positive growth in your life. Consider this podcast your go-to spiritual resource for navigating the modern world. Hey there, kindred spirits. This is Christina Wooten, certified psychic medium from SedonaMedium.com. And I'm here today also with Robert Wooten. Hello. Who is our certified Reiki master teacher and energy expert. We are going to be talking about the archetype of the sacred rebel and how we are needing more and more to embody this type of energy, how we can see it along the spiritual lineage, and how very often as you come into your own understanding of spirituality, you begin to embrace this side, this version of yourself. And some people are just maybe known as the black sheep. I know that we have talked about this in some previous episodes, which I think are really helpful. I'm going to link those into the show notes and description to wherever you're listening to this today. Yeah, that was episode number three, overcoming the black sheep label. Mm -hmm. But that being said, a lot of people who identify as the black sheep or feel like they are the hot pink crayon in the black and white box are also embodiers of this particular archetype. And you're meant to be the nonconformist. You're meant to be the one that releases tradition and who moves in a different direction. So we're going to dive into all of this, what it means, and how you can use this energy to motivate you to create change and to revolutionize your life. So let's start first with just diving into what does it mean to be the sacred rebel archetype? So someone who embodies this energy is a nonconformist. There's a questioning of things that comes really innately with this person's nature. So instead of just blindly accepting something, it's it's that three-year-old who says, why, why, but why? But wait a minute, but why? Until they really stump you a few times. I don't know why I have to think about that. It's that inner energy. It also is someone who really values independence, who values freedom, and who's usually known as being the truth teller, who above all things and all values, they appreciate transparency, they appreciate truth in this particular paradigm. So the sacred rebel is very focused on having and developing an inner authority. So that's really part of their path and their purpose is to really listen to their own true north and convey that out into the world so that the world can be changed, can be shifted, can appreciate this whole new perspective and experience a new level of paradigm and a new way to live in the world, or even new thoughts, perhaps new ideas. You can have artists that can be like the spiritual rebels. You can have philosophers. You can have spiritual teachers. So many people in your life today can be these spiritual rebels. 
But the inner rebel, the sacred rebel is about reform. And it's also a bit of a provocateur, someone who's asking those challenging questions. And people at times may feel very frustrated by that interaction because, you know, we want to be able to say yes or no, or this is why we want it to be kind of easy, right? But somehow the sacred revel shakes us up a bit and makes us really look at things in a different way. And this can challenge our boundaries, sometimes our personal boundaries and our social boundaries in a way that can feel a bit uncomfortable. But ultimately, it leads us to ask some really important questions. It leads us to ask, do I really align with these ideas and beliefs that I'm expressing, that I'm espousing, that I'm living by? Or do I need to reevaluate this in some way? And either answer is fine. But the important thing is that you're asking these deep questions, and it gives you the opportunity to realign or recommit whichever way feels better for you. Yeah, it's so easy in life to just sort of go along with what you're already doing, isn't it? I mean, it'd be much easier to just stay the norm, wouldn't it? You can just Mm -hmm. believe this thing half-heartedly. You can just follow this path that is the easy path to, to follow down. But you will always know if it is not the right path for you. You'll always question, well, is that really true? Or am I just going along with it because someone said it? And then to dig a little deeper you might find that, oh, here's the real truth. And then suddenly that will ignite the sacred rebel into this mission of, of I've got to bring this truth forward. I need mm-hmm. to bring this forward because, you know, without doing that, I will feel incomplete. Mm-hmm. There's something innate within that archetype, within that person that has to that has to express. It's not just enough to ask the question, it's to also express it and live in alignment and in integrity with their own personal beliefs. But let's let's take a look at just, I mean, even if you look across social media, I mean, there's so many people doing a lot of similar stuff, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Saying similar things, following these similar processes. And if you're trying to just fit in to that, well, yeah, you're just gonna fit into this sea of blah, But to me, it's always really exciting when someone revolutionizes it, when they say something new, when they express themselves in a new way, that's not a cookie cutter type of formula. It's not this, you know, process that we see repeated over and over again, where only, only that person can really show up in that particular way and really represent that energy. And that's what gets exciting. That's what makes the impact. That's what makes the real impact in our lives when we say this truth when we you know aren't just living according to social norms or societal norms we're really allowing ourselves to open up fully to what does it mean to really support myself at the absolute highest level so that I can express myself in the best way possible in this lifetime and make the most of it but let's talk about some of these examples, because if you look along the spiritual lineage in all different paths and traditions, there are sacred rebels that have been there that have somehow influenced and paved the way in the world. And in the time, they were certainly not appreciated, <laughs> perhaps, for who they were and what they were doing. But at the same time, it has opened new doors for many, many more people to learn, to express, and to grow in an entirely new direction than they ever would have before. You can see these people that we're going to talk about as 
huge paradigm shifters. So they came along at a time where they felt like something needed to change and were the people that were going to do it. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. And they said, I guess it better well be me. Right. And then the years that followed, you can definitely, if you look at a timeline, you can definitely see where this shifted and changed in a huge way what came after. I mean, there's thousands of people that we could have listed. I really just wanted to kind of give tiny glimpses (laughs) to to demonstrate what it is that we're talking about today. So let's talk about Jesus first. He was born to be a paradigm shifter. He was born and prophesied to be this person that was going to come along and radically change what was going on at the time. Uh, And I think we need to make it clear that you don't have to be Christian to be able to see the impact of this archetype in the story uh, of the life of Jesus. So he did many things throughout his life that were seen at that time as being a thorn in the side of the establishment. Well, one example was his flipping of the tables in the, what would have was supposed to be the temple, and they were in there collecting bills and gambling and changing what they called them money changers. They were doing a lot of things in the temple that were not supposed to be happening in the, what he thought was in the temple. And so he had a moment, and he said, this is not right, this, this won't stand, and he flipped all the tables over and stormed out and caused a big ruckus. This discontinued this path that he had already begun following of when he saw something that was not the divine path, he had to say something and do something about it. And you know that made him a, a target. target in many ways, <laughs> yeah, throughout his entire life. Yet at the same time, he was really driven to tell this truth and to make these changes because mm-hmm. it was something that was what he saw was his life purpose, was sure. to make these changes. I think it's also a good example of the righteous anger. You know, there there seems to be this turning away at times when we feel angry and want to spiritually bypass something and go, okay, well, let me just positive think myself into a new place instead of really working to accept and understand our mm-hmm. feelings and go deeper with them versus, you know, repressing them. Because he could have just walked out of the temple. He could have walked in the temple, seen them. Instead of prayer. That, and, walked then, out and, then just, <laughs> and then been like, okay, guys, grumbled see you later. To, grumbled to his followers and said, we're going to have to go somewhere else because they're doing that. That's here. right. And he was like, yeah. he's, he was just like, nope, table time. So we have Jesus as this example of that righteous anger and also of someone who I love what you said about being not afraid to call out the establishment and not afraid to challenge people's ideas and understanding about, you know, what spirituality meant. And through this, him as being a a truth teller of his day, you know, he gathered this enormous following around him of people who really wanted to learn and grow and have those questions asked of them and go Mm -hmm. deeper with it. Another example is the Buddha. And the Buddha has several places of this rejection of the established order. The first one being leaving his family and children in order to pursue spiritual enlightenment. But I think it came from my understanding as a sort of internal discontent for the way that things were of recognizing, you know, I'm from his perspective, I'm not able to fulfill my potential through this lens and really having taking a whole different direction. I mean, leaving your 
your family is pretty radical. I mean, that's pretty intensive to say, you know, my next steps for me is I have to pursue 100% this incompletion sense of enlightenment. I I have to give myself everything that I can and give it towards this enlightenment. It's so against tradition and so against, Mm -hmm. you know, traditional family values that we often equate or associate with spirituality. So that's a big whoa. Hmm. Mm -hmm. The second one is him leaving the renunciant order. Mm -hmm. He tried to get to the heart of what is the depths of being, what is the purpose of being, what are how does reality work and what is reality and what is not real. And so one of the paths that primarily Hindus at that time would take was this path of the ascetic. And it was a very rigorous, disciplined path of um, not eating normal foods and not wearing normal clothes and sometimes not even wearing shoes. You own nothing. You live in a cave, literally. And you just sort of sit there and stare at the walls of the cave all the time. And it was a miserable physical existence. And the idea was that you are going to renounce your physical being in replace for accelerating your spiritual growth and understanding. And that level of self-renunciation was supposed to make you understand that the physical body is not the primary existence. So by renouncing your physical form in that way, it would elevate your ability to concentrate on the spiritual form. And he saw that and, and really struggled and almost died from it. And at one point, as the story goes, he was sitting under the tree, deciding that he was going to just possibly die. And a woman came by with some milk and offered him some milk and some honey, and he decided to take it. And his fellow ascetics who saw him do that chastised him and said, how dare you do that? That goes against what we're trying to do here. And then, so he went the other direction. He decided to go live a life of opulence and decided that that wasn't the right path either. And what he was looking for was the middle way that you can be okay to live in your body, but you can also learn a philosophy that helps you understand what your direction is, what your path should be. And right. and so by doing that, he was really a rebel against what would have been his normal path. Well, I think he created the entire concept of the middle way. And also it reaffirmed that you could have this divine connection and reach a level of enlightenment through your own quest your own individual work, that it didn't have to look this one particular right. way. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that it looking in one particular way would prevent many people from seeking enlightenment and finding it, you know, in their own journey, in their mm-hmm. own particular path. So it was more of a, I think, message of validation versus invalidating. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we see in both the story of Jesus and the story of Buddha and many of the other people we could look at Martin Luther if we wanted to right. mm-hmm. is this clarification that it's important for you to have an individual relationship with the divine. There's a validation of that for them, for their connection, and also an encouraging, hey, you don't necessarily have to have a middle person there for you. I think that's a very strong thing that that we see often in some of these historical figures that focus on the sacred rebel archetype. But I want to introduce one more that I think is important because this is a feminist story that I feel is not known or understood or shared about true spiritual 
feminine power. And it, oh, it hurts me (laughs) that it is not shared widely enough. So I want to just take a few minutes and talk about another sacred rebel, White Tara. So there's a story of White Tara, who is a divine feminine figure, uh, who is considered to be the first female Buddha or female Bodhisattva, considering which lineage of Buddhism you're following. A Bodhisattva is someone who has reached all the levels of being able to attain enlightenment within themselves, and however has chosen before they take that final step to wait and continue to support and help others who are also on the path to enlightenment to help them up, to assist them in any way possible so that they can support them further in them being able to take that next step. So it's teachers of compassion, of love, of the recognition and embodiment of the idea of oneness that, sure, I can achieve enlightenment But if we achieve enlightenment, wow, what a concept. I want to share this story today because I think it's so impactful. So in the Buddhist tradition in the past, that men were the ones who would become Buddhas, who would reach enlightenment. If you were born into a woman's body, then you would never be able to achieve enlightenment in this particular lifetime, that women were not able to achieve enlightenment simply because of the implications of the physical body. And so there was one particular individual, Tara, who was able to reach this level of enlightenment and was considered to be the first female Buddha, but they had overlooked her. So when she attained her Buddhahood, she vowed, I have developed enlightenment as a woman and for all of my lifetimes along the path, I will vow to be born as a woman, and in my final lifetime, when I attain Buddhahood, then too, I will be a woman. So it was like this ultimate thing of, I am achieving this in the woman's body, totally shaking up the old paradigm, this old expectation, this patriarchy (laughs) at the ultimate level, and saying, not only have I achieved this, but I also will commit to always being in the female body so that I can essentially, Mm -hmm. in all generations, prove you wrong, that in fact, I can become and all all women can become enlightened. So I think that the end of that quote that you didn't say was, so there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think that that is a great example of a very committed sacred rebel Because Mm -hmm. not only is she saying that right now in this physical form, I'm going to do everything I can to prove that this former paradigm of only men reaching enlightenment is wrong. She reached out and said, we need to divide even more from the old paradigm. And I'm going to be the person that is going to be the tip of the spear to make sure everyone understands that this is any physical body male or female, now we would say also transgender. It doesn't matter what the physical form is. It's all in your understanding of what that reaching for, that upper level of the connection to the divine. And anyone can do that. And so White Tara took that commitment as far as she could possibly take it and said, I will be a woman every single time just to make sure you remember that Mm -hmm. this is the truth. Yeah. She became a physical 
reflection of that divine truth. Right. What would have happened if she had said, I guess you guys are right. You know, mm. I'm learning from you. You've taught me these things. I have benefited from that. So maybe you're you're mm. right. Uh, maybe and next s- time I'll be born as a man. And right, I can be right. Maybe right. I'll just do everything I can for now and just see what happens. But that's really the beauty is is challenging that boundary. What do we believe to be true? How can we push past and see new opportunities? And this is the beauty of the sacred rebel that it embodies this willingness to change Mm -hmm. it brings forward this certain courageousness to take risks to try Mm -hmm. something new to truly listen to what your heart is saying and sharing and doing it your way we see it in things now of oh if you just do it like this just follow my way if you just do it like this you'll be fine that it's not really empowering, right? It's mm-hmm. just saying, here's this equation and maybe, you know, and it'll work for you too. But it's not taking into consideration true integration and knowledge and, and the deeper aspects that are there. Right. What I'd love for us to walk away with in this podcast episode today is how important it is to be that person who asks the questions, how important it is to be the one with integrity, to be the truth teller, even if it means that you are butting up against the establishment. If you are that person within your family and the family just does it in this one deeply dysfunctional way over and over again, and you're that person that says, I can't do this anymore. This doesn't feel like love. This is not loving. Then you're here to help cleanse to release and to let go. And as hard as that path can be, it also opens the doorway for other people. And in this social media rich culture where everybody's posting, I mean, I think we can look right now on social media feeds, everybody's posting their happy beach pics and vacation pics and life is so glamorous. And when you can be transparent about the things that are really happening in your life, if you can be open, if you can be honest, if you can share, then you're allowing truth out into the world. And that truth has transformative effects. Because once the toothpaste has come out of the tube, you can't stick it back in. When we hear something that is truth, it resonates to us on a very deep level that's beyond the mind. And it really empowers us. It gives us that courage and that strength to act. So wherever you're feeling like you maybe have to shrink to conform, what does it feel like to not shrink, but to expand, to step further on that path? to double down, to be the conscientious dissenter. What does that look like? How does it feel to stand on a shifting, evolving, growing platform? What does it mean to truly represent the way of truth that you know in every moment that doesn't involve conformity, involves you simply just being the best version of yourself that you can be in every moment and creating the space and acceptance for everyone else around you to also have that permission to be that way. And don't be afraid to ask why. You know, why is it this way? Why does it have to why be this way? Why am I doing way? this? Right. right. So, what is this for? Right. So along your spiritual path, 
those are the questions that move you forward mm -hmm. to keep seeking those answers. And don't take the first answer you get because it might just be filtered through a different lens than the one you're trying to find. There's a practice that someone taught me a really, really long time ago, and it was the five whys. And it was, okay, if you are trying to understand something about yourself, then you'll say, okay, I do X, Y, Z because, and then you're listening for what your first response is, and that's your first why. And then you go, okay, and why further? And then why? So you keep going mm -hmm. down until you've hit the greatest kernel of truth or five whys in. Right. And it's such a powerful way to challenge ourselves. I mean, we do a lot of things from tradition because we've just done them and it becomes second nature and the brain is kind of lazy and goes, oh, we, this is what I do. But when we create openness for shifting, for changing, when we reevaluate, when we follow the practice of the five whys, we can go deeper and not be in a space of stagnance. You know, we can continue to climb, continue to grow, and do so in a conscious way. And so that's what I really would hope you take away is be truly yourself, follow a path that's continuously evolving and that's challenging. It should be challenging you. It should be challenging those around you as well. But ultimately, it comes from a place of a desire for oneness with the divine. I want to invite everyone who's listening today, if you are wanting to realign with that greatest kernel of truth, if you want to truly understand where your energy comes from, what supports you in going deeper along your path and the different ways that that can show up in your life, I'd like to invite you to learn more about your life path number and how to embody the energy that your life path number emits. So each person has a life path number that's found based on your birth date. And we use that information to get to the fundamentals of your numerology and your numerological programming. So what is it that you are needing as a framework, what supports you, what helps you to continue to grow and feel like you're in a path for alignment and feel energized and supported along the way. And I have an entire guidebook that teaches you how you can find your life path number, exactly what it means, how you can determine the life path number of your family members, your children, your husband or your wife, those that are around you so that you can greater support them and guide them and understand your dynamics to a higher level. So this free guide is at sedonamedium.com forward slash life path number sedona medium.com forward slash life path number thanks so much for joining us today many blessings the modern life and spirit podcast is for informational purposes only the information provided is not intended to provide medical psychological legal or financial advice the information provided is not to diagnose or treat any medical or psychological illness to read the full disclaimer see sedona medium.com